0: and welcome to bring your own popcorn let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics jurassics and other genres that rhyme with traffic what we lack in education we make up for with comedy compassion and camaraderie i'm your host mixtape majesty here today with a very special guest a podcast host a dad a long hair enthusiast a casual Godzilla enjoyer, and Stray Kids fanatic as you already know because you heard the special episode, please welcome once more, Phil!
1: Hey, it's me. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, it's been so long since we last talked.
1: I know it's so funny actually because it, the casual Godzilla enjoyer is actually true because I I was thinking about it while we were you know recording the other episode all, all that time ago mm-hmm. and you know there's been a lot of like new Godzilla movies but I think the like most recent I mean I've watched some of the Lionsgate uh, ones like the new new like American made ones but yeah. like actually Japanese Toho. Godzilla Godzilla. movies the last yeah the last one that I watched was like Godzilla 2000 so I'm like way behind oh so definitely casual like my favorite is not a good Godzilla movie it's like my favorite movie my problematic fave is is (laughs) Godzilla versus Megalon which is like a really cheesy like the cheesiest one that exists so yeah
0: nice I love some good cheese yeah no one come for Phil because he did say casual so you don't need to be like yeah well have you seen all of her films
1: Maybe, Cause... maybe maybe <laughs> maybe i have wait you maybe just I said ha- you haven't <laughs> i well they don't know I, That's what true, if that they was a joke know. i was yeah. just joking
0: yeah leave us alone
1: <laughs> you don't know about my godzilla watching habits from canada <laughs> anyway
0: anyway we are here to talk about movies so <gasps> phil has selected a special movie to him for us to talk about but before we get into that movie We're going to learn more about Phil and his casual Godzilla habits amongst (laughs) other movie experiences. It's true. Our first question is... What was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters?
1: The first movie I remember seeing in theaters is The Land Before Time.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah. It came out when I was five years old. Don't Google that. Okay. Uh, don't find out how old I am. Okay. I you know, I thought it was, and then I looked it up. I just tried to search like when did that come out? And I saw like nineties, and I was like, <laughs> there's no way that's right. It's impossible that it came <laughs> out in like the late nineties because I was been way too old at that point. And then I just like I just was like looking at the wrong there's like a oh, oh yeah there's like 10
0: yeah there's like so 10 of them
1: i i'd asked my dad about it because we i knew this was coming and i was like what was the first movie i ever saw and he was like ah uh, i don't know jurassic park and i was like i don't think it was jurassic park i had seen other movies in theaters before that and i had remembered the land before time and like and he goes yeah your mom probably took you with that i didn't go i'm like okay <laughs> well all right fair enough
0: Your dad wasn't interested in going to see Cartoons or Uh,
1: Yeah not kids movies and we probably Like my mom was a stay at home mom And because Texas is Weird and my birthday is in September I didn't go Into the kindergarten here Until I was almost six Because it was like a cutoff date of like September 1st if you're not five By September 1st you don't Go to kindergarten until the following year I think I had the same
0: thing I was born in December But yeah I think I had the same thing I remember being like like the oldest in class.
1: Yeah, I was the oldest in my class. I, I ended up getting friends making friends with people who were my age in the class above me in high school. Cuz <laughs> yeah. my senior year was super boring because all oh. my friends were gone. Oh. So, yeah. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what do you do? But Land Before Time, that's an old movie. Um Yeah,
0: what do you remember about that? It is a sad one. What do you remember about seeing it? Do you remember it being sad at the time?
1: Oh yeah. Like you know, like the parents dying, grandparents getting sick and old and (laughs) children being lost. Like it like my mom had a habit, I guess, at this point, now I can say that, of taking me to like prob not like problematic movies, but like, uh, (laughs) oh, this is probably a movie that I shouldn't have taken you to yet. Like, mm. and, and, you know, it's not that like kids can't handle those kind of things. And those are things that are real. So I don't think it's necessary to like, Hold back from saying like, "Oh, someday your parents might die." Like, I I, and you know maybe kids don't always notice because like my daughter's favorite movie is one of her favorite movies is Frozen. Now it's Moana because she just recently got into Moana. But like, and Frozen, the parents die at the very beginning, and I'm just like, does she know that they died? Yeah, they talk. She's seen Frozen too, and they talk about the fact that they died in that one. So like, dang. Yeah, they must know. But I don't know. (laughs) It's just one of those things.
0: What is with Disney? And I know Land Before Time isn't Disney, but what is with Disney and dead parents?
1: Yeah, no, they love it. It's like it's like (laughs) their favorite story element to put into any movie. I don't I don't understand it either, and and it's true for this too. I mean, like I know this isn't Disney, but Land Before Time, man, they're just killing parents left and right, and just being like, ah, oh, we got to go for the tree stars, and you know, I just I don't know. The the one quote that I has stuck with me for my entire life that I still quote to this day is there's like a part when all the little dinosaurs are together, and oh man, I don't remember his name. There's a little baby pterodactyl guy. Oh, what was Petrie? his name? Petrie, yes, Petrie, is on top of Ducky. And he says, I smell, I smell, I smell Ducky. And then she goes, you smell me? It's like, yeah. I've never forgotten it. I was five when I saw this movie. I've never forgotten that quote. Yeah, like, I totally yeah. can hear it in my
0: head at the same time, too. Mm-hmm.
1: It's so, it's, you know, I feel like as a first movie, it's, it's pretty good. Because otherwise, like, my parents were taking me to, like, just movies I shouldn't have seen. I mm. Like, you know, I saw, I mean, Jurassic Park, I saw, like, when it came out in theaters. Yeah. So, I, my kids have seen Jurassic Park, so I don't... <laughs> and they're younger than I was when I saw it, so maybe I'm just <laughs> carrying on the tradition of, like, taking your kids and showing them things that they shouldn't have seen. But, like, my mom took me and my brother... He hates the story, but he she took us to see Species. And uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that movie, but, like... Not really. It is about an alien who takes the form of a human woman... On Earth, and uh, oh, the entire movie yeah, is. I think i have seen it. Her.
0: She's like very she, sexy, and there's a lot of silhouettes and stuff.
1: Right? Uh, and, and she and she must procreate that is yeah. she's like driven to procreate through the whole movie. And so I'm sitting next to my mom watching this woman repeatedly get into weirdly like sexy but violent situations. Yeah. And yeah, it was it That's was sad. the worst. I think it's funny. My brother hates it. I bring it up to way too often for him, but I think it's hilarious. He
0: still he still has embarrassment from it. Just remember. Oh, it. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: He's just he'll if I bring it up, he'll just be like, oh, my God, stop talking about it. <laughs> But it's funny. like Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's the kind of thing that's funny in hindsight and it's definitely like excruciating to experience at the time. Yeah. Funny later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I think the thing about, you know, taking kids to movies that have very heavy or intense stuff. I think with Jurassic Park and Land Before Time and all the Disney movies with like death Mm -hmm. and stuff like that is different than stuff like, you know, Blade Runner or or prisoners. Also the most crucial thing about those movies in order to prevent it from having like a long lasting negative impact on kids is how the parents Respond to it with Mm the kids and and their availability to the kids wanting to talk about it afterwards so do you remember Discussing any of the sadness or any of the emotions that you had from land before time with your mom.
1: No that's yeah no I don't think so I, I that it doesn't seem like the the kind of parenting that was happening at that time in the in the 80s yeah uh, so <laughs> I I yeah I don't I don't remember that me with my kids uh before we watch a movie especially if it's a movie where like I don't know if Disney's about to like murder some character in front of their eyes <laughs> yeah uh, we have like a we have like a call and response because I feel like it's important for them like they can enjoy entertainment but I'm always like I say like remember movies are and then the kids go pretend so like they know Aww. going in and they have this like mantra of like we can enjoy this because it's not really happening and so yeah. it doesn't matter if something like horrible happens to an actor on screen like a lawyer being eaten by a t-rex we can just laugh about <laughs> it because the actor's fine he's yeah it didn't actually happen so like I try and like instill that early. And then if they, if like, yeah, you know, parenting has come a long way. So like Mm -hmm. if they have any questions about it, sometimes I'll like ask them like, how do you feel about this part? And like, my daughter's very sensitive and she in Moana, she didn't like a part and she wanted to like close her eyes. She didn't want to watch it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not the part that you would think, right? Cause it's Mm -hmm. the part where the dad gets uh, mad and like takes her away from the canoe. She Aww. doesn't want to see it. Aww. And I, part of that is because she doesn't like being told no. Yeah. And, and, and Part of that, I think, is just like she doesn't want to see it like, oh, he was like mad at her. She did something that made him mad. And so, we, yeah. you know, she's gotten better about it because she's watched it like three or four times in the last week. But it's interesting what kids can latch on to that way, because like giant lava monster, no big deal. No problem. <laughs> I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. But dad being momentarily like, no, no, come back. Like he's still smiling and carrying her back to the village and he's she's like i don't like that yeah (laughs)
0: okay sure Yeah, it's a a really good example of how it is just different for every child. And you might not necessarily know what they're experiencing or thinking about unless you are creating that safe space for them to come to you about it. So I think it's really fabulous that they are so comfortable telling you, first of all, like what they don't like. And then also like setting a boundary of like, I'm not going to watch that part. I think
1: that's really lovely. And I I let her, you know, I tell her like if it gets to be spooky or whatever, just, you know, put your head down. You don't have to look. There's this uh place that sells like outdoor furnishing and we drive by it pretty often because it's on the way to their grandparents' house, and they have these giant metal sculptures of like really buff looking aliens, like green Whoa. aliens, and she's terrified of them. And so when we drive that way, I have to tell her, like, okay, don't look, close your eyes, and she'll close her eyes while we drive by. And <laughs> recently, okay, they took the they took it away for a while and we were really happy because we were like, look, Michelle, it's gone, we're all good now they have two and one of them is like six feet tall oh like, god yeah and the other one's <laughs> on the roof scary yeah. don't oh my
0: god it's on the roof don't ever let her see signs until she's like 20.
1: yeah signs would be bad probably independence day i don't think she would like too much so yeah i don't know we'll we'll work on it slowly but surely <laughs> <laughs> yeah cute aliens only
0: yeah So I love that you gave your kids this experience, but even though it wasn't an experience that you had, so it wasn't really something that you were uh, working off based on your own experience. It's something that you sort of built with your wife.
1: Yeah. Break the curse. Uh, Yeah. yeah, It's important, I think.
0: So So no post Land Before Time discussion. With mom?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, you know, did I learn that day that someday my parents m- would die? Yeah, yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> and you coped with that all by yourself? That's
1: right. Yeah, I, I probably uh, at some point while while cleaning my room or being grounded or whatever, I was just like, oh man, Littlefoot's mom died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just hits you again. Yeah, yeah it just
1: hits you. she's just like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, me and Littlefoot, we have that in common. Dead parent club.
0: Wait. Yeah. Are, wait. Are what? your parents dead now?
1: My mom is. that is, what you're saying? Yeah, she's oh, dead. Oh, so i She sorry. died. Not, which gotcha. It was a long time ago. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and don't worry. I deal with things with humor. So like, and it's very dark humor. Mm. So she's just, you know, hanging out with the tree stars. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that appropriate?
0: for Time brought you a coping mechanism? No. (laughs) No.
1: Uh, But, you know, it was was a movie. It was a movie that I watched when I was a child. So there you go. And it was the first one. I'm sure of it in the theater. Yeah. And I do, I can, I really do have pretty vivid memories of like being in the theater and seeing the big screen for the first time and stuff like that and being kind of dazzled by it. But yeah, I don't know. It was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the next question is like. The next question, like, has a different meaning now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does it? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Okay. No. okay. Don't worry okay. about it.
0: Okay. Well, I'm really sorry for your loss.
1: It's been a long time. Like, I'm used to it. It's fine.
0: Like, how old were you then? Like, teenager, uh, kid.
1: I was in my twenties, and mm. I was in college. I was already dating Jeanette. Like, we were already together. So, like, she knew my mom and everything. So, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's all right. I don't you know, uh, straight kids are my therapy, so I'm all good. It's so good now.
0: Kids. Same. Yeah. Well, what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters without any parents or supervising adults?
1: So I lived on this like cul-de-sac, a little circle of a street. I don't know if everyone knows what a cul-de-sac is. It was in like, where we live in the sub suburbs, right? It was like a new development and families just kept moving in on our street that had kids that were like roughly about the same age. We were like one or two years apart. Maybe there was like a range of us. And so we all like grew up together at the same time. Oh, I and, love that. Like there, there was like an elementary school in our neighborhood. That we all walked there together, even though we were in like varying grades we all went to the same grade school and middle school and high school it's like a weird cool experience which like yeah i don't think you would get now because like i don't know any of my neighbors like right yeah so it was a little different so
0: that sounds like
1: mm -hmm.
0: sort of what i was describing in our previous episode about straight kids like that was your straight kids experience
1: yeah yeah i had my crew yeah and it was fun we had it we had a good time you know those were good days so that was when dollar theaters existed which is going to come into play mm. in a minute and arcades. Yeah. I don't know what gave us the idea really. I think that like we all loved like Robin Hood men in tights and like we would like reenact scenes from it like while at the pool and stuff, you know, hitting pool noodles <laughs> together and stuff. Yeah. It was all, you know, hysterical Mel Brooks movie and then Mel Brooks made another movie with uh Leslie Nielsen in it called Dracula Dead and Loving It. <laughs> which, which is funny, but not a good movie. Oh, uh, and that's okay. I that doesn't like that's not a criteria for me enjoying movies, right? Yeah. And so we went to the discount dollar theater where I later, as I grew up, watched midnight showings of Rocky Horror, and it was like just the crew of us, all these kids from our little cul-de-sac in a theater alone, no adults, no oh, anything. There was amazing. nobody else in there. That's so and cool. Yeah, so I was mortified at one point because one of the kids uh, licked a gummy bear and threw it at the screen. Oh, gosh. And, like, <laughs> I, like, I have, like, social anxiety at the best times. So, like, me seeing this gummy bear on the screen the entire time, <laughs> I was just like, oh, God, we're going to get arrested. We're going to, like, something's going to happen. Like, I was just imagining a total worst-case scenario. Yeah. And, of course, everything was fine. We went and played at the arcade next door afterwards. But it was... They never was, caught you? They, yeah, they never caught the caught a-
0: gummy bear bandit?
1: Yeah, the gummy bear bandit. (laughs) Yeah, even though we were just like the only people in this little rinky dink theater and watching Dracula Dead and Loving It. It was a funny movie. I liked it.
0: Some say the gummy bear is still there to this day.
1: They used to make these like sticky things that you would get in like a you know, machine for quarters, like a little gotcha machine.
0: Yeah, like a sticky hand.
1: Yeah, like a sticky hand. But they made these ones that were like little like worms and you throw them at the wall and they would slowly roll down the wall. Oh, yeah. Because they weren't yeah. like super sticky. And so they would flop down and then stick again. And then they just kept doing that. And that's what was happening with the gummy bear on the screen. It was like slowly making its way down the screen throughout the movie. And I could oh not gosh. take my eyes off of it. I still got to like watch the movie, but like I could yeah. not stop watching this gummy bear just coming at me. I was just like, okay, please fall. Please fall. I don't need I don't need this in my life.
0: It was basically so a, a double feature: Dracula that's right. and the Gummy Bear. <laughs> Dracula journey. and the
1: Gummy Bear. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's it's a crazy movie too. I there's like a it's like this scene that's always stuck. Out to me where they're like jabbing a stake in the in the vampire's heart, mm-hmm. and then like and Mel Brooks like opens an umbrella, and they just have the goofy pressurized blood shooting out. Oh my it was, gosh! Yeah, it's it was really really funny. Uh, I don't know.
0: How how old are you all when you watched that?
1: It's it must have been like after it came out, like a year after it came out or something, because it was at the discount theater. So let's see, Dracula.
0: I'm just wondering, like children? Were you like sixteen? Were you like like, like
1: teenagers? Like like teenagers. Mid- Teenagers or preteen? I'm not sure. It was 1995, so I was 12. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good age for that. That sounds like a blast.
1: Yeah, it's the oh, it's it was the best time ever. We like finished that up, and then there was in the same like shopping center, there was a a little arcade off to the side called La Fun. It doesn't exist anymore. Can't dox my location from that. (laughs) And uh, and they had you know a ton of Street Fighter. Uh, Mortal Kombat. It was awesome. So, you know, we just had the best time. And then you just had to wait because we didn't have cell phones. Uh mm-hmm. we just we just sat around until someone showed up to pick us up. So Yeah. That's not a thing that happens anymore. Like, you know, that's just kids don't have that experience of just being dropped off somewhere and being like hope you survive
0: yeah for sure for for better for worse like there's some good there's some good and bad parts of it for sure but also not having to wait in regards to ever seeing the movie again like it used to be you go see a movie at the theater you don't really know when when or if you'll ever see it again (laughs) like that's true you gotta wait for the release and i don't think i
1: have watched it again I never watched that movie ever again. Oh,
0: man. You should do a a watch party in your server because I want to see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, Based on that only. (laughs) I would do that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, other than the featured film that we're discussing today, please tell me about one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites.
1: The other movie I had up for picking was The Princess Bride, which is-
0: Oh, nice.
1: I think my favorite movie. I think it is. I, I, you know, I've watched it several times at like different times in my life. And Mm -hmm. then like you get a lot from that movie as like a child thinking about from the perspective of like Fred Savage, who I already loved from The Wonder Years. Mm. And it's just like you see it from his perspective. And then like as you get a little older, like you're more focused on like the romance and stuff between Wesley and, and Buttercup. And then you get a little older and then you're seeing it like more from like the adults like the parents and grandparents perspective and it's just like man that it holds up so well I like I bought the book I lent it to my ninth no 10th grade English teacher and she never gave it back so I bought another copy recently (laughs) like within the last like two years I bought another copy but like yeah, it has such a crazy story even behind it. Mm-hmm. Like it tells you like, oh, this is like, it's uh, it's the Princess Bride uh, based on William Goldman's Good Parts version. And <laughs> like the story in the, the actual movie is that the grandpa's reading this book to the kid, right? And yeah. that's the story that we see play out. And it's like, that is also the story in the book, but it's like biographical by the author where he's saying this happened to him. He was a sickly kid. And he wanted to find this book for his kid because his kid was having some trouble and was sick at home and he was traveling or whatever and couldn't be there. And mm-hmm. so he bought this book and sent it home. But it, it wasn't the version that he was told because his mm. his grandfather, when he was a kid, only read him the good parts. And so he yeah. condensed that down into his book. But all of that is fictional. Yeah. Every single part of it. There's no original <laughs> parts version every part of it is completely fictional and in the book there's all these like asides of like oh this happened to this character at this point but we're skipping past it and it's just (laughs) like he just invented that so william goldman hats off like amazing movie amazing book like Mm -hmm. it translates so well yeah yeah love that and i panicked when tom said that he might pick picked that <laughs> as You're his like, movie no, I fine. was like yeah because as so. we as
0: we heard about from your stray kids special you no one can have the same favorite as you
1: exactly you get it yeah you see yeah that's exactly how it is and it's like it's it's not too surprising because like when we played world of warcraft together because we both we worked at blizzard mm. uh like when we met I was working at blizzard and then mm-hmm. he got a job there and we played world of warcraft together for a number of years and In that, our our guild and even our Discord server was called Inconceivable. Mm. And still to this day, like Tom maintains that same old server. I, I don't, I think it's called something different now. Oh no, it's still called Inconceivable. All right, well, there you go. So I keep waiting for the day. And this is like my problem is I keep waiting to be like, okay, when are my kids old enough to watch The Princess Bride? When are they mm. old enough to like sit and watch it? And I think they because we showed them Jurassic Park and they were fine with it, I think yeah. now. I think the time is now. Yeah. <laughs> well, my
0: question was gonna be how old before you read them the book at night so that you're reenacting the grandma reading the book to them. Oh I mean my the grandpa. God.
1: <gasps> yeah, I guess I could do that, although <laughs> I've tried that with my favorite book, which is A Wizard of Earthsea by oh, Ursula I K. Love Le Guin. That book.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's my favorite book. I love it so much and I, like, it was like magical to me. Like, I mean, obviously there's magic in the book, but like when I finished it uh, the first time ever, I was in high school and I just loved, you know, fantasy novels and I just like stumbled on it in the school library, which is why libraries are amazing. Yeah. And I just I snagged that and and read it, finished it. And after I finished it, I was just like, oh man, like how incredible how amazing and of course it has like oh there's like several other books that are out and and I was like oh maybe I'll try and look for those and so I was looking for another book to read and it went into my dad's office and in his he had like a closet in his office that had some of his like he used to collect like some sci-fi books like old Asimov and stuff like that and oh, so I'm yeah. like looking through the books he has and on the shelf in his collection was the second book in the Earthsea series yes and so I snagged it right off his shelf and I still have it today. So thanks, Dad. Like <laughs> yeah.
0: That's amazing. He specifically had the second one.
1: Yeah. That yeah. you were looking for That's amazing. The tombs of Atuan. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, good. no, I
0: love those books. I love Ursula. She's an amazing writer.
1: She is an amazing writer. And I need to be I've so I've tried to read when Logan, my oldest, was very young. Uh you know, you just you read to them so they can hear words, right? Yeah. And so I I I read him. The first book in Harry Potter, and I was at the time buying like the illustrated editions. This was before
0: before we knew that JK Rowling uh, Raging yeah. Turf, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I have like three books in this, and I'm like, I these are so cool and well made, and I'm just never going to show them to my kids again. Like it's just yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but I but I have Wizard of Earthsea, and so I've like. I started reading it with uh, Logan when he was much younger, like three, and like Michelle was a baby. And, uh, you know, when he's like Ged, the character who becomes Ged, I don't know why we're talking about Wizard of Oz, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, when, uh, he, when he was a child, before he got his true name, uh, he was called Dunny. And so Logan re- started referring to it as the Dunny book. And Aww. so like for a long time, we called it that. But like, we kind of fell off from reading that because mm. it's like, it's one continuous story and yeah. it's like hard to keep his attention for a long time and he's now diagnosed with adhd which is not surprising considering his parents uh mm-hmm. so like i feel like i need to break it down into smaller pieces but i do want to get back into reading to him yeah. bigger stories because yeah i think well, he'd I th- love it
0: i feel like the princess bride is like perfect for that because i do think earth sea yeah. is a little bit too dense for younger kids i would say like 10 would be the mm-hmm. earliest that i would recommend it to kids, yeah. but I feel like The Princess Bride, don't you think that's like perfect for an ADHD brain?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it jumps all over. Maybe that's why I loved it so much. Yeah, <laughs> like I loved it too. Is,
0: I love yeah, that book.
1: It's, it does jump from, from subject to subject and it's like interjections here and there footnotes and all this stuff and i'm just like oh i love it i love seeing all the details yeah so yeah deeply deeply engrossing
0: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know i'll show them the movie and then i'll be like we could read the book like maybe we'll start with the movie i should do it soon i think i have it on blu-ray but i love it it's it's just great everything about it i love the camp i love the acting the only part i'm worried about is the pit of despair so that's Mm. that's really the only
0: the is that the torture pit
1: that is the torture pit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about the swamp of. Mm, uh, my brain says swamp of sorrows, but that's World of Warcraft. Yeah. And uh, the swamp of
0: sadness is, is never ending story.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, that's <laughs> another one that I there's like a Jeanette loves that that movie, but is yeah. sad about the horse to this day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but even it comes back. The horse is alive at the end. Like, oh, come it on, does? kids, get over it. I yeah. And like during like the credits and stuff, like you see, you know, the horse riding around. So i'm just Hmm. saying like it's it's, it could be okay like things look everyone movies are pretend
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no you say movies are i say pretend. oh
1: sorry okay movies are
0: pretend (laughs) (laughs) yeah perfect yeah well yeah no i i love all your reasons for that being your favorite movie and i agree it is a classic it's a very special movie like they've never done that again they've never done something quite like that again
1: and it's got Carrie a ways, like what's not to like?
0: Yeah. If that's what you're into. And Andre yeah. the Giant. Rest in peace.
1: Yeah. It's so good now.
0: Well, overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? Do you consider yourself more of a catch a ca- cat More of a yep.
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> more of a casual watcher, a hobbyist. Do you think that movies really change your life or are they just entertainment?
1: My relationship has changed over the years, I think, with movies. I used to devour movies like it was nothing. Mm. And I I loved it. I loved seeing all the different stories and experiences and stuff because, like, when I was too young to have HBO in my room, I had HBO in my room. (laughs) And so I, I would watch just whatever was on. And so I was just watching just like this like weird, like mid tier of movies, which doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And like without that, I wouldn't know about like Alex Winter's Freaked, uh, which I love. Like that's it's like a funny, hysterical movie or, or the Giver bio boosted armor. It's, like, a live-action anime movie that just came on (laughs) HBO. Like, there's just a ton of movies. They just needed to fill time.
0: Yeah. And
1: so they would just, like, come on, and I would watch them. That was for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, like, Blockbuster back in the day, like, I used to love going, and I would just go to, like, the martial arts section, and I would just watch everything they had. Nice. Like, one after another. Like, uh, so I just, I used to be so into watching movies, and then, like, since streaming services i watch them so much less and yeah. i don't know i don't understand it necessarily cuz like i could just watch anything i love things But I just like I end up like flipping around and then not finding anything that catches my interest. Whereas like, I don't know. I used to just walk up to movies and be like, yeah, good enough. And just like snag it and start watching. And it didn't didn't have to be. I mean, like my favorite martial arts movie is the Shaw Brothers movie, which is called Shaolin Princes originally. But Mm. the version that they had at my at my blockbuster was Death Mask of the Ninja. Well, of course, ninjas are (laughs) Japanese. uh, But this was a movie from China.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: No, no, word. I, yeah. I I actually kind of there's like you can get like uh, on eBay they have like giant movie posters and I kind of want the movie poster for it because it Ooh. looks cool and it reminds me of it but yeah, yeah. I'm just like ah, I and I you know that's how I got into anime mm. you know Sailor Moon and then movies that were at Blockbuster or <laughs> movies that came on HBO. So it was Wait, just, did they know.
0: they had anime at Blockbuster? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But they didn't I never
0: saw that section when I was there. <laughs>
1: I don't I don't think the people who ran Blockbuster really understood what they had because like <laughs> I owned a copy of Ninja Scroll. I don't know if you've seen that, but Mm-mm. it's uh it's like a hyper violent with like a trigger warning, bad scene in it. Mm. And I owned that when I was 13, uh, before I was 13, because we watched it at my 13th birthday party. And I had seen it before that, uh, but just because it was just something they had. There was like really like good movies, like Akira and Perfect Blue and stuff like that. Like those were all there, but just also just some just random stuff. And I would just, I was interested in it because Sailor Moon went off the air. And even though I was on the, you know, official Sailor Moon web ring that was support our sailors, trying to bring it back onto (laughs) US TV, it wasn't there. So like, I didn't have a choice. I I needed some outlet to find anime. So back then I would just, I would watch every movie that I could come across that. And maybe that's just, there were so many fewer movies being made, but more being made for like, Cheaper prices. Like now, I feel like the budgets are so bl- overblown yeah. that, like, finding not even just an indie but like but like something that's just somewhere in the middle and is like not direct to video necessarily but like only opened in like 20 theaters you know what I mean
0: yeah there was there was more diversity which is ironic because there was also less diversity in terms of race and gender Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. whose stories were allowed to be told but also more diversity in the sense of like financial financially Mm -hmm. and like who would be greenlit for projects there was a much wider spread of different projects being that were allowed to be made and produce and make it to your screen whereas now it's like very very narrow
1: yeah and there's still some like there's like wacky movies but i just feel like uh, and i know that they have like cult followings and stuff like the weird like monster movies like uh Mm -hmm. bird demic and uh raptor pastor is that the one that tom loves i don't know there's there's like all these like you know so bad it's good movies but it's also like there's like a weird genre thing about it where they're trying to make them, whereas like the yeah. ones that were so good back in like the '90s or early 2000s, like it just was happenstance that they happened to be so bad. It's good and right. then gained a cult <laughs> following. Like I don't know, it's it's pretty weird that it's it's just turned out this way. But I maybe after the uh, the actors and writers strike, we'll we'll get some you know good, well paid actors doing projects that they're passionate about oh god yeah i
0: hope so i see i see people in the industry tweeting about how like you have no idea how many amazing scripts i read every day and i have to like say no to 99 percent of them because of the way the system is set up right now yeah i hope that changes for sure
1: yeah i mean and i also have a tendency to like you know latch on to an actor i'll like see a movie and then i'll be like oh this actor is really good and then i just try and watch, like, a lot of stuff they've been in. That's true for TV, too. Yeah. And I just follow threads like that instead of being like, oh, like, this specific genre is what I'm into right now. I'm just like, all right, let me see everything Bruce Campbell's ever made. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I met him once at... uh At the premiere of his movie, Bubba Hotep.
0: Oh, I love uh, that movie. (laughs) It's a
1: great movie. I I went to the the premiere was in Nacogdoches, Texas, (laughs) uh, which is like where it was. It wasn't filmed there, but it was like set there because the the author of the original uh, screenplay and I think it was novelized as well. His his name is Joe Lansdale. Like, I know way too much about him because he's just a guy and he owns like a martial arts school in Nacogdoches Uh, which is also it's where I went to college it's Stephen F. Austin State University is there it's like a college town Mm -hmm. and so they had like this like impromptu film festival and this was like so oh my god so Bruce Campbell was there Don Coscarelli was there the director and so I got to like briefly chat with them while they signed some stuff and be completely embarrassed by my roommate at the time. <laughs> uh, I can't. Can I tell that story? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he he told he gave his student ID to Don Coscarelli to sign. Oh, and which is weird. Like yeah. I bought a poster and I was yeah. like, "Sign this, please," but he didn't. He was right next to me in line, and he handed his 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 student ID to Don Coscarelli, at, you know, uh, director of of Bubba Hotep and like um. Uh, what is it with the ball? Oh no, my brain! <laughs> the ball is back. Uh, what is the anyway? Uh, be- the Beastmaster. He directed Beastmaster. Oh, okay. Anyway, so he, great director, love him. And my roommate hands him the ID. Yeah. And he asks, like, oh, like, what do you want me to sign? And my <laughs> roommate says, I don't know. Be original for once. <gasps> and I was. Fuck? mortified oh my god i was mortified and what did he he write before he signed he said somebody stop this kid and signed it (laughs) so i don't know i was i just but you know you don't typically get that close to like an actor director team or anything like that but here we were um yeah i don't know
0: that's so embarrassing. I feel embarrassed yeah. right now about
1: it. I was, oh my God, How, like, ugh, it really hurt me to yeah. just be standing next to him seeing that happen, but yeah, it happened. Phantasm. That's what it is. Anyway, he mm. brought his actual print of Phantasm and mm. they played it at the local theater, which was amazing. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And then we watched Bubba Hotep, the premiere of Bubba Hotep too. So that was, yeah, it's good. Beautiful. But that's the kind of movie that I feel like doesn't get made, you know? No. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Rooster Teeth was there promoting machinima before it was cool. Nice. (laughs) Before it was cool. It's true.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that's given a really good idea of your overall relationship and history with movies. The listener has gotten a wonderful idea of the kind of watcher that Phil is.
1: You're welcome, listener.
0: (laughs) Both between (laughs) this and our special Straight Kid special. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we're going to move into the featured film that you selected for us to talk about. The featured film we are discussing today, Chosen by Phil, is a 1995 American coming-of-age comedy-drama film directed by Canadian filmmaker Alan Moyle, who was slightly known for his movie Pump Up the Volume, which came out five years earlier in 1990. Both of these films are coming-of-age teen comedy films that heavily feature music, particularly alternative or independent music. This film that we're talking about today was written by Carol Heikkinen, which I'm going to really struggle not to mispronounce as Heineken (laughs) every time I try to say it, (laughs) (laughs) who wrote a handful of other small films in the 90s. But for this particular screenplay, New Regency got into a bidding war with Warner Brothers. The first draft was sold only a week after the script was completed. This is the only script that she wrote that uh, there was a bidding war over.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, Carol Heikkinen was offered uh, 325k upfront and 200k if the film was made, as well as 1% of any soundtrack royalties, which I thought was very interesting. Oh wow, yeah. And 5% of merchandise sales. Haikinen based the script on her experiences working at Tower Records in Phoenix, Arizona's Christown Mall. However, the bidding war winning version of the story in the script was pretty different from the one that actually ended up on screen. While it was still a character-driven teen dramedy, some of the film's most memorable moments and themes didn't come until its second draft with the whole team, which included the opening scene of the movie, which features a record store employee taking the store's profit for the day to a casino and gambling it away. That story was based on a story that Heikkinen heard while she was working at the West Hollywood Tower Records. This film was originally supposed to have a US-wide, like, you know, standard wide release in the US, but it got pulled back to a two-week run on only 87 screens in the US. It then generated negative reviews from critics and had major losses at the box office with a budget of more than two Sorry, with a budget of more than ten million dollars, it made just one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cinemas during its tiny run, which <laughs> I could not believe that. Oh, like, God, that hurts me so much. I know, like, what the hell? And like, obviously, they did it to themselves by only releasing it on eighty-seven screens. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell?
1: And what kind of marketing are they actually doing to promote it? If that's where it's going? Yeah,
0: yeah. and and I don't know why. Like, even hiking in, I read an interview where she was, they asked her, like, do you know why they did that? Like, why did they pull it down to only 87 screens? She was like, honestly, I have no idea. Like, it must have gotten bad result at the test screening or something. But yeah, even mm-hmm. she didn't know. Wow. Nonetheless... Despite the haters, <laughs> like so many cult classics before it, this movie became a runaway cult hit with fans creating Rex Manning Day in honor of the film and with two special home media releases in 2003 and 2015 with bonus content for its legion of adoring fans. The movie we are talking about today is Empire Records. I Yay,
1: Empire
0: Records. (laughs) 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 Phil, you have chosen this movie. Mm -hmm. So start us off, tell me in your own words a few sentences about the most important things that happen over the course of the movie and what you think are the overarching themes of the movie.
1: Okay, so this is a day in the life of a, a record store, but like a fantastical version of what you might think a record store is. And it's full of characters who are all living their own lives, have their own stories. But the overarching plot is about the manager and his, I want to say, adopted son. And (laughs) the fact that the store itself has this unique quality and all these unique people, but it's all going to be lost within a week if they don't come up with the funds to save the empire uh, <laughs> and not convert it into a chain uh, music store. So, I don't know. It's really cool. It's it's like got some great music. It's got great characters. I love, I think like one of the key themes is that nobody is perfect. Every mm. single person is flawed. Some yeah. more flawed than others, but, uh, but everyone has flaws. And then also they, all the people who work there, they accept each other with those flaws yeah they you know make these like specific things like there's specific events that happen where you 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 see people who even if they hated each other at one point come together to take care of each other when they need it so i don't know love it
0: absolutely yeah i i might be looking at it through the lens of because i came to know about you through a stray kids podcast that's me but After having watching this movie for the first time last week, I definitely had the thought of like, this like tracks for, it it has like the kind of the stray kids energy to it, to me. yeah, They are all stray
1: kids. I mean, yeah, they're all stray kids
0: and they are all, they kind of accept each other as they are. They all have their different talents and like, you know, just a bunch of different personalities coming together for community and like comedy is it's very straight kids
1: <laughs> it is very straight kids that's a good point i hadn't really thought i mean because it was you know a fave of mine back came out probably to hbo you know like <laughs> yeah I, I or or maybe at blockbuster but i think it's this is like an hbo one where it just came on and i watched it and then loved it forever so yeah it's good
0: I also think yeah. there's a theme of, you kind of touched on it, of like sort of, you know, sticking it to the man because they're trying to. Oh, yeah.
1: Damn the man.
0: Yeah. Damn the man. Which I think also is, you know, not to make everything about Stray Kids, but I feel
1: like <laughs> yeah, Stray no, for Kids real, Kids touches true. on
0: that as well in their music. Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah. It's, it's you know, rejecting authority. I mean, like, e- even though, like, yes, the actual plot is we don't want this to become a chain and then have everybody who's like unique forced out. Yeah. That is also saying like that the the chain is the authority. The chain is the man. Yeah. And they're rejecting that. They're pushing back against that. And so it's kind of like, you know, like the early 90s was was or was uh, very much about that kind of vibe of like, you know, that there was like that slacker culture, you know, it's like clerks mm-hmm. or or slacker, you know, the actual movie slacker. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, there there's this like sense of I don't want to live a normal life and that should be okay. Like whatever my dream is, that's what I should be allowed to pursue. And whether that is going from stealing CDs to working at a record store yeah, uh, to, or, or, you know, deciding you want to go to an art school because you're talented, but you're afraid, you know? So I, it's, it's just, I've watched it since we decided to do this. And I said, this is the movie I'm going to watch. hmm I've watched it probably about five times now. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> because there's two different versions. Like, they made oh. two versions. It's not my fault.
0: Whoa, I didn't yeah. even know that. I only watched yeah. whatever I rented on YouTube.
1: There is a version that is uh, an hour and 30 minutes, which is, it. it is much tighter. Hmm. There's some, like, scenes that they cut that really help explain some, some of the themes oh. that are put back into, into it with the, and I understand why they cut some of them, but, like, like there's a scene at the very beginning where before Lucas steals the money and uh takes it to Atlantic City and gambles it away, which also hysterical scene. I love every <laughs> bit of that where he's like he just like pulls somebody's, you know, slot machine and wins big and like you yeah. know, it's just it's such a funny moment. But like before that, as he's closing the store, some lady like bangs on the door and begs to be let in and it's yeah. just like complaining about her husband and like, just like talking his ear off. He's like passively listening. And then she says something like, do you think that like one act of bravery can, can change uh, the world for the better or something like that? Like she says that to him. And then he like thinks for a moment, like you see it like dawn on his face. And then he goes, you know, like they just cut away from that. And he's now in the back room. And it's after he hears that from her, that he finds, like, oh, the store is going to be converted. And so he he's inspired by one act of bravery could change everything oh. to take the money. And so they cut it out completely and they just make him seem like yeah. some weirdo. Like, <laughs> he's just doing this for no reason. Like, he just thinks he could do it, you know.
0: So I did see that version. I, so I, did, I watched the full version, which I'm glad.
1: Okay, good, but Yeah,
0: I honestly, it did not click for me. I didn't understand that scene, and until you just mm. said it just now, I was like, "Oh, that inspired him to do the thing." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't he, realize it looks, it until you said
1: it. It circles back like towards the end of the movie, he says oh. something about you know taking one one brave risk or whatever the line was. I'm just like, I this like watching it this time was my first time watching the extended version. I normally only watch the other version, so there's like a oh. couple of scenes that change, and I was just like, oh. Some of them made sense. Like there's a scene where they talk outside about what Lucas did. And I'm like, they cut that. And it just goes from like AJ walking, it just like shows like AJ walking in with Gina and Corey. And they're just like, hey, Joe, like, and you know what's happened. You know what the conversation was. You didn't have to see it. And that makes Mm -hmm. total sense. Like, Mm -hmm. but that one, that first one, I mean, personally, I'm like the whole conversation leading up to her just saying the revelatory statement that inspires him kind of useless i understand why they cut it but at the same time like <laughs> it kind of matters i don't know yeah it's it's good yeah
0: here's my question though yeah do you think that and i'm gonna struggle with names because unlike with stray kids i haven't seen like hundreds of hours of content of these characters yet uh, but lucas is the one with the the black turtleneck who yep. stole the money mm-hmm. do you think he slept with that lady <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay that okay the first because i've watched it again several times the first time i watched it i was like is that what this is building up to? Like, is that what's happening here? And
0: I she like opened her shirt. It,
1: right. It seems like that's the implication, but yeah. then it just cuts to him playing the drums, uh, on which, which he wasn't supposed to do. I thought
0: maybe that was a metaphor. I, you
1: know? Right. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that is what happened. That because like you know it's it's supposed to be this like i don't want to say like a raunchy comedy but like that kind of like style like oh teens getting up to no good you know Mm -hmm. kind of a a comedy and so you see him like let this lady in she seems to be coming on to him because her husband's working all night like it's very like they imply it very heavily that that's what's going to happen but if they if you had never watched the extended edition you you wouldn't know that at all so yeah true yeah I think, I think I like so. the
0: idea. You think he, you think he did. Yeah, I think
1: he did. Yeah.
0: I'm fine either way, but I really like the idea that she said that thing to him, where she's just like one act of bravery can change the whole course of history, and he just walked away, right? Like in his that clearly neurodivergent manner, just walked away and went and played the drums and then stole money. Yeah, I
1: just sent her on her <laughs> way. All right, see ya. And then yeah, now that's funny too. I mean, like because that is that's how the story is told in the theatrical cut. So I think yeah. that's funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, either that's either way great. it works.
1: Yeah, it works really well. <laughs> there are, I mean, like, there's a big change because, like, you mentioned Rex Manning Day, right? Yeah. Rex Manning as a character, hysterical, right? He's like this yes. washed up pop star kind of guy who's like only cares about his hair and his silk uh, shirt. And he is a problematic character uh, in so many ways. And you watch the extended cut, which is like th- the weirder cut, but mm. it's also like, there's the scene where Corey, one of the characters who is a child, played by Liv Tyler, who was a child at the time, mm-hmm. which is so problematic. She yeah. was 17 during the filming.
0: Yeah. When I looked that up, I was like, "Oh,
1: yeah, it's a- oh,
0: because she has a scene where she removes her clothes." Yeah,
1: <laughs> and was like, like throwing herself at at this, you know, star. In the original cut. He says, are you sure you want to do this? Like, cause Mm -hmm. she's propositioning him and she's like, yeah. And she's like trying to be sultry and sexy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he just leans back, unzips and says, rock and roll. And then she grabs her clothes and runs away. But in, in like the extended cut, he says he like grabs the dressing the the blue cheese dressing and he's like I hope you love the like the taste of blue cheese oh.
0: and that's when <laughs> that's
1: when she grabs her clothes and runs away and then he like rolls his eyes but like it was purposeful he was trying to chase her away mm. like he, yeah. but which which would have absolved him had he not then slept with another teenager like an hour <laughs> right. later so that's what i was, I was like,
0: wondering is the other character who he slept with not supposed to be a teenager like is she older
1: they were no because gina and and uh cory were the same age because they're in they're in high school together oh, like okay. probably seniors because it, uh later in the movie gina comes back and says like i don't want to be like my mother and graduate from high school and have my life be over mm, so gotcha. she she is a teen which like I think is like very it's like problematic but at the yeah. same time i don't know prophetic from from what we've seen of like pop stars and, yeah, and various artists i'm like oh man
0: oh yeah and they knew then too like they knew about yeah. the kind of stuff that was that was going on they just kind of shrugged, including <laughs> including interestingly with Liv tyler's own father
1: oh yeah well yeah maybe it's normal the I don't
0: inspiration know. for rex manning
1: right was he the no, inspiration really. for okay no, i was I'm just like, joking i was like oh my gosh how horrible uh oh uh, i also this morning because i didn't know i was like when when is the established rex manning day and so i looked it up and it's april 8th which is yes my wedding anniversary
0: oh and i
1: had no idea so now i know that our wedding was on rex manning day i had no Aww, idea
0: that's amazing That's yeah.
1: kind of cute I mean, maybe subconsciously
0: yeah. Did you subconsciously know somehow?
1: Maybe. I mean, we watched it together. or well, we tried to watch it once when we were uh, just new dating. But, mm-hmm. you know, what spending time together was difficult to uh, not just spend time together. Instead yeah. of like, yeah, I'm going to put on this movie. We've been dating for two weeks. And they're yes. like, yeah, let's just talk instead. Let's, like, sit, let's, by, the- let's <laughs>
0: sit side by side, silently staring at a <laughs> different direction. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Did not go over well, but she really enjoyed it. This time we watched it. None oh, of nice. the times, yeah. So it's good. It's nice to share share your faves with people. Uh, yeah. And I I was glad that it held up. Like that's the other thing that I was just shocked by because I'm like eh, movies of this era seldom do. And there are there are still problematic elements of this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's definitely true. But it's like I don't know. Even the things that I would have thought like homophobia uh, in the '90s. There's like one. I don't want to call it even a gay joke but there's kind of like a gay reference in it yeah and it's not like played off as like being gay is bad it's just played off as rex manning sucks like i don't know it's it's like weird for that time but maybe that's because it was written by a woman i
0: yeah i mean i think that was i think that was a problematic line but like compared to the other homophobia other homophobic stuff in the 90s like it was very tame compared to that. Right. But yeah, they're basically just saying like, oh, we think only gay people buy his albums, which to them is an insult, but in reality is like, well, if 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 gay people like yeah, something, people it's probably like it's, good. <laughs>
1: right. So yeah, that should be fine. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. It was used as an insult, but and so it, yeah, that is like a problematic line. But I was just like, it is so tame in comparison to the like abject like they're acknowledging that like gay people exist so even yeah. though they are <laughs> saying it in a way where they're like haha only gay people like his or gay men like his music it's like well, they didn't say like ew gross like yeah. you know there, there are so many way worse ways to do that in in the 90s like yeah. I don't know it's great I, I I thought that that was very interesting that they went that direction with that but I don't know.
0: I agree like I wasn't sure what to expect Mm because like I said I'd never seen it before and obviously I know what I'm going into with the movie from the 90s but I was also surprised like of course it does have its have its problematic stuff to it Uh, anything from the 90s does Oh yeah. but yeah I thought it held up extremely well for something from 1995 and yeah I found it super entertaining I I felt like it was really it was kind of like the movie itself is like punk rock to me which is funny because it has like a 31% of Rotten Tomatoes, which I just, I don't even trust Rotten Tomatoes at all right. anymore. And that only confirms my feeling that it's punk rock, that it has right. a low rating on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, I totally, uh, it is. And then the soundtrack is incredible. Yes. You know, it, it really, they use so many great songs. It like feels like the early 90s. That's actually like one of the reasons that I wanted to do this. It was like my, the first thought I had was this movie has to be the one that I pick. Before you even invited me on, I listened to your episode about The Wedding Singer. Oh, yeah. and. In that, your guest, Skylar, uh, had said, like, I don't think that there's like a movie that's made about like 90s 90s music like there is for 80s music. And I was like, yes, there is (laughs) (laughs) immediately like I I, and then, of course, I I had to had to watch it and and, like rewatch it. (laughs) It's. I you know I don't think it captures like what was top of the pop charts in the '90s, so no, in that yeah. sense, probably not the same. But yeah. it does it like has that like cool indie like vibe, and there's even like a scene with Guar in it, which I didn't yeah. understand as a child.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was so stoked to see Guar. Yeah, I didn't know like they had been popular enough to be in a movie since '95. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't Yeah. That that really surprised me. At the time, I had no idea who Guar was. Yeah. It's just it's just weird to see like how much they they were in touch with with that sense and that musical style, you know, the gin blossoms and stuff which my wife had never heard of. She was in Japan and Korea mm. as a as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. So she didn't hear all the alternative indie rock. She didn't get that in <laughs> alternative
1: 90s. anything or TV shows or movies. Like <laughs> movies would come out like 6 months after they actually came out in theaters, and it was only the biggest movies. They wouldn't get any of mm. these kind of movies. So right because she yeah. was on a military base. Her dad was in the Air Force.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like this movie is also, it's kind of similar to your other choice, Princess Bride, in that yeah. it has a really, like I was saying, like it feels like punk rock to me, because it has this <laughs> really unique storytelling format to it, and just a unique setting. And I don't mean the record store setting, I just mean the way sometimes it feels like a play
1: yeah like, yes oh totally especially the end the yeah. very end of the movie is this like weird scene where suddenly they're all on the roof and dancing together and just goofing off yeah and or like, one of
0: my favorite parts is when oh gosh what's his name the cute little blonde curly hair guy with a red shirt mark Mark when he yeah. <laughs> he's standing on the second floor and like posing like as if it's a stage and then he, oh, you know he yeah. runs down and he says, We can't not do that.
1: On, not on Rex Manning Day.
0: Yeah, and looks yeah. right in the camera. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very theatrical.
1: Oh, no, we mustn't dwell. No. No, not today. We can't. <laughs> hmm. rex manning day he does that uh when he shouts shoplifter too like there's there's a there's a few scenes with him in it that kind of break the fourth wall a little bit and i don't know it's like is this like an early example of a movie uh, containing some magical realism or like, cause like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like some, there's like weird things that happen in this movie. Like wh- how is Lucas able to teleport around when trying to catch Warren stealing CDs? Like this is <laughs> yeah. all kinds of weird things that happen for no apparent reason. Yeah. Like um, uh, there's a, a point where Joe, the manager gets upset and he's playing the drums because he's mad. And then they play that over the sound system. Mm -hmm. while they're supposed to be having a signing from (laughs) you know outside and and I'm just like is that is this actually happening like what is actually happening I'm not sure like like would you be playing just random random music like while you're having an artist sign CDs in your store or would you I don't know it was weird so yeah but I I feel yeah I mean it does feel punk rock because of that so I like that yeah yeah it's fun
0: so that's all of the things you've thought of since you've seen it so many times now. But what about the first time that you watched that movie? How old were you? Where was it? Uh, Who did you watch it with? And would you say your response has changed since your first watch or stayed the same?
1: The first time I watched it, I was a teenager and I was by myself and I'm almost positive. I was just alone in my room at night watching HBO as I was likely to do all the time. And it was, uh, it was great. Uh, I loved it at the time because and I was like so in love with AJ's aesthetic like I as soon as I popped this movie on I thought this was like a thing that was inspired to me by uh, Christian Slater uh, in the early 90s Mm. but like I I used to wear these, like, I would have, like, semi collared shirts with, like, zippers on them, and I wanted to wear, like, layers, and I had my hair, like, parted in the middle, and I'm, like, suddenly, and I had, like, a fascination with wanting to have a a pocket watch, and I'm suddenly realizing that, like, all of this style likely came from, like, I want to be like AJ in this movie. Like, (laughs) this is the person who inspired my style through, like, all of middle school nice. and in into early high school, I was just like, this is the person I want to be. I, and I'm gonna emulate all these things that I did not realize I was doing. I yeah <laughs> yeah. It's true.
0: It inspired you, but it wasn't consciously. You were just kind of subconsciously I, some, emulating Some it? of
1: it was probably conscious where I was just like, where I wanted to, you know, have a have shirts in that style or dress in that way, which of course you can't, you can't layer up in Texas. Like that's just not a thing. <laughs> so like I did my best with what I had, but yeah, yeah, I just, I could find, I wanted to look back and see if I could find like really old pictures of myself, like with my hair parted in the middle with like the kind of swoop in the front, like he has. Yes, and like
0: the 90s swoop.
1: Yeah. I had there are definitely pictures of me trying to look exactly like that and I didn't realize until I watched it now that I was like oh my god like cuz Christian Slater I used to be like one of my favorite actors like in the in the 90s like Interview with the Vampire Cuffs Bed of Roses I watched anything he was in mm-hmm. and He just always had this, like, same style forever Mm. uh, where he, like, kind of slicked back his hair and kind of let it come down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Oh, gleaming the cube. You can't forget gleaming the cube. (laughs) Uh, That's the skateboard mystery movie, I guess. Action movie? Anyway, it's good. It's got Tony Hawk in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's not good. Like again, I have I have a taste in movies that is I want to watch movies. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be a good movie. It just (laughs) has to be a movie. Just a wholehearted love for movies as a whole. That's that's right. Yeah. But especially movies of that time, I think, maybe. When I watched it, uh then, specifically the scene with Mark eating the brownies and seeing himself in the guar music video, Mm -hmm. I did not understand what was happening in that scene how innocent (laughs) was i because early on when he gets these he gets these special brownies which we now i now know what they mean by those brownies being special the special recipe Mm -hmm. that he got from eddie who's a character that comes into play like later in the in the movie but like he shows up early and gives these brownies to mark and he's like they're my special recipe and then he says like so you know what that means extra sugar and in my little child's in- innocent brain, I was like, oh, he's like, he's like so hopped up on sugar. And that's why he's imagining this scene of him being eaten by the drummer in Guar. And it's yeah. that's what's happening. And like later in the movie, at the very tail end, when they're throwing the party, they sing a song called Sugar High. Oh, yeah. I put all these pieces together, and I was like, "I figured it out." I'm yeah. very grown up. You uh, know what's <laughs> happening here, and I was just dead wrong. So uh,
0: I love that though, because it yeah. makes it like it makes it palatable in a way that if a conservative was like, "There's drugs in this movie," you could you could be like, "No, they literally said sugar," and then there's a song that says "sugar high," so you're wrong. That's right.
1: So that's what it's about. Yeah. So you can't Renee sing. Zellweger, sang it, and yeah. yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah. So there, conservatives.
1: Yeah. Take that. <laughs> Get off my badly reviewed movie okay get out of here
0: (laughs) would you say that your uh response has changed over time has your love gotten only grown stronger or has it changed at all
1: now that i've watched it again so many times i think it has grown stronger like i had an affinity for it like going back like if people were to ask me like what are your top movies like it would have been listed on there Mm -hmm. but now that i've like re-watched it and i really like I understand the characters more. I understand what they were getting at with the whole story. Because like, I think probably when I was a kid, I thought like, oh, you know, this is just a story about people hanging out and working at a record store. And like, yeah. didn't really think about the fact that there's like every single person has these flaws and they're all trying to like they're all kind of uncovered. And you uh, it, it, but but Joe, like kind of keeps them all together somehow. And even if he th- uses physical violence at times <laughs> like it seems like there's a lot of like love that he has for these people and yeah it's just interesting that like i just took it at face value really when i was a kid and now like i've really grown to like see like kind of the humanity that was built into the script of like you know people had these issues with each other and then they worked through them for a reason like yeah. they were trying to tell you something it's, it's like oh okay yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> But I saw an interview with the actor who plays uh, who plays Mark because he went on to do like great things. Right. Like he was in a oh, bunch that's of movies. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: What was his name? Ethan Embry. He was doing an interview like not that long ago. And somebody was asking about it. And he said that like he when he did that movie, he didn't really know how movies were made. And what they did <laughs> was they bought like houses on like a beach or they didn't buy them. They just rented. They rented a, like a row of houses, and so the entire cast like stayed at this beach. And so in the morning, they were all hanging out on the beach and like running with their dogs and just oh, like yeah. they were all spending time together. And then they would go and shoot. And they he said the shoot was like six months long or something like Whoa.
0: that,
1: which is like an insane time to like be shooting a small movie like this that takes place yeah. in like one location. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting to hear that from him that like. And he's like, no movies are made like that anymore. That's not a thing. No. I don't think movies then were made that way.
0: <laughs> not really.
1: It was, I was just like, um, how fascinating to like have this group of people like get yeah. together and like have this weird bonding experience. And then it really comes through like, ah, yeah. so good. What mm. a
0: phenomenal experience. I hope that the... Knowing that now, I hope that the final scene where they're all dancing and having a party, I hope that really was just a party. And like when they cut the cameras, they're like, okay, let's just actually party now.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that's amazing. The other thing, I, the little trivia bit I learned was Robin Tunney, she really did shave her head for this movie, which is obvious because yeah. she really shaved her head. Her The next movie she did was The Craft, which, of course, I loved. And she was wearing wigs in that movie because of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she has wigs in that movie is because she shaved her head.
0: Yeah, uh. and I think wasn't it her idea? I know it for sure wasn't in the script to shave her head. I think it might have yeah. been her idea where she was like, yeah, you know, I think this character should do this. And it's like a crucial part of the movie. So,
1: yeah. Especially because it's one of my favorite jokes when, when they go, oh, didn't you have hair when you went in there? And she says, yeah, it's still in the sink if you want to glue it to AJ, who was gluing quarters to the ground. I <laughs> yes. Just, I, it cracks me up. That's such a good joke. And it was like yeah. delivered so perfectly. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. so many
0: little good lines like that. And also just like, yeah, the whole thing where one of the characters is gluing quarters to the floor and it's just happening mm-hmm. in the background. Like, it's not yeah. something it's briefly addressed.
1: Yeah, by Warren, who's trying to steal the coins. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: But just, like, there's always multiple layers of stuff going on, which probably is, like, another, like, appealing to ADHD-type brains, too, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's just, like, so much going on and like, real life. Like, it's like real life, the way that there's always multiple things happening. Things don't usually fit into these, like, really neat scenes of, like, two people Mm -hmm. having a dialogue together while nothing else is happening.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing, and it does make more sense because it was written by a woman, but I didn't want to, like, guess. So I had to Google it. I was like, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Because I believe it does. It seems mm, like it does. And, I like, so. I, there's, like, a website that, like, tabulates who does and who doesn't. And it does. because nice. they There's so many conversations between the, you know, women in this movie that, like, are just about progressing their own relationships with each other. And yeah. I think that's, it was, it's just an early exposure to writing like that is that is ju- was just so good. Like, yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, they talk about like school, they talk about music, they talk about saving the record store. They talk yeah, about hating just, each other. They talk about <laughs> hating each other. It's just pe- more people being people yeah. than, you know, these women are women and therefore they must say like specific things written by a man type of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, other than influencing your fashion,
1: Yeah, she did.
0: (laughs) How did this movie, how would you say this movie changed or affected or made a major impact on your life?
1: Uh, Other than my fashion, you know, it stuck with me for a long time and became a movie that I would like bring out to watch with people when I was younger, because I was just like, I it's like I knew the secret code. Like I suddenly knew the movie that is good and nobody knows about. (laughs) And so it became like this like thing where I could be like, oh, you want to see a movie? Let's watch this one. It's so good. I, I think that You know, now watching it as an adult, I just I see it through such a different lens and see like how much as I was a child going into, you know, high school and all that and being able to see these like relationships projected like I wasn't working yet when this came out. And then like now, like when I look back at when I worked in like retail jobs and stuff like that, it's like, oh, man, like this is a 100 percent like these characters feel like people that i knew when i was uh you know working at best buy or whatever like, yeah. like these are these are real people like they're written so well and so it just like it does make me think more back on how i treated those people and uh the relationships that we built even if they were fleeting because like you know that in in the day of their life you know this everything it, that's written seems so important but like, will it be the next day, you know, where you only yeah. get one day with these characters? So I don't know. It's really interesting. Totally.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it made you sort of maybe appreciate that. Yeah. It made you have more of a consciousness of that once you were experiencing it as an adult.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, and it, and it kind of gave me that, uh, that ability to kind of see it for what it is, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're all here, we're having these relationships, we're all in it together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that yeah and these kind of movies can be like an aspiration for kids like
1: especially if you want to work at tower records
0: <laughs> yeah oops
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was one in austin and i i definitely went there a lot because oh, yeah. i saw empire records oh because
0: like, of empire records because <laughs>
1: it's it was not like close to where i lived but i would like frequent there because nice. it, even though like everything was overpriced yeah I'd love to go there i bought my clerks the animated series blue uh, or dvds not blu-rays DVDs from there, uh, which I still have, and I was like, I didn't even know these this existed, and yeah, so. <laughs>
0: Oh, and one of my favorite things in the movie was when they would veto songs. And I oh, really yeah. was curious if that was based on working there. If like, you know, every every staff member can like put on their own music, but then each person gets one veto a day, which involves slamming a button that sends off a really loud alarm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I. one of the things that is just so amazing about it is that they created like a culture Like yeah. that, that you could see, you know, they don't have to like say it. Like you mm-hmm. see it on the screen that like they have these rules in place for various things and everybody has their own different interpretation of like what is the song that's too bad and i must veto like it's yeah. so good i just yeah unfortunately for mark he constantly gets vetoed <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they created they really did a really good job like world building with this movie yeah. you can just immerse yourself in this fantastical world of music and uh alt 90s stuff
1: yeah what a delight
0: Delight indeed, as has been this conversation. Oh, yeah. It's been so much fun chatting with you about Empire Records, about Stray Kids and movies and lots of other things. Stuff.
1: For sure. I had a great time. right
0: <laughs> If people would like to hear more of you, Phil, where might they go to find that?
1: Oh, they would go to makeestay.com and you can, you know, come in. You can see all of our links to our podcasts. You can even join the Discord where we're all hanging out and recording episodes live every week where we just, like, chat about Stray Kids and other stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for being on. This has been a super fun chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. And remember, everybody, bring your own popcorn. I can't
1: wait to get on. So I saw it in my seat with my water in my twizzle. Fuck a popcorn like that's popcorn. She's a Here's what you ought to do if you want to follow suit. No one dumps it, got your tongue like a little probably dude. Bring it on back like a dragon from a flower. I'll finally get a popcorn frog. Don't say I didn't want ya Go cut through the yard killers gotta come I got my feeling life is hard my reflection in the back I got my mouth in open mother makes a popcorn just like it was hoping inspect the gadget is a have a with a big ball straight kiss